Ciao, buongiorno ragazzi. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Inter Worldwide Podcast. And we're recording this edition raw, uncut, and only moments after Milano Siamo Noi. We have painted the city black and blue. Actually, no, 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 we haven't. We painted the city black and blue a while ago. We've just been going over our coats of, coats of paint, our coats of blue, because that's what color of Milan is representing hardest at the moment. And I've got my two raw, realist guests, Christian Rivas. How you doing, brother? Uh, enjoying the win, you know, living life. That's it. And Mario, it's good to have you back on, man. Yo. So we have just beaten Milan 2-0 in what I've just said, the most comprehensive derby I've seen in a while. Like the scoreline might only say 2-0, but the gulf and the gap in between quality and in between the two sides was as big as I have seen it for a long time. We had plenty of derbies under Mancini and Mazzardi where both teams were just as equally as shit as each other. And it had to come down to the luck of the draw, or the lucky tap-in or the Guardian shot. But, you know, at the end of the day, today was Inter's derby and everybody on that pitch performed really well. I'll start with you, Christian, man. Overall, what did you make of the derby and who stood out for you, bro? Go through, go through your hits and misses. Well... I thought the Derby was a great game. Honestly, this was one of the most piss-poor Milan performances I've ever seen, to be honest. Uh, they were just bad, dude. Like, you can see that the life got sucked out of them even before the second goal dropped. They, they were just so poor. Uh, for me, I guess I would say, of course, the GOAT Danilo stood out. Uh, man, it's just so hard. Everybody was doing so well. Barrella, Brozovic, Sensi. That's the midfield we need to go moving forward. Like, it was just ridiculous, dude. Like, they completely bossed that that midfield. I thought it was going to be a dogfight. Turned out being a pit bull against a puppy, you know. It was, it was crazy. Uh, Godin was awesome. Lukaku, bro. His off-the-ball movements were just so crisp. Like, yep. you see him pulling two to three defenders at a time, opening up tons of space for Toro and uh, Barrella and Santi. It was just great. It was fantastic. A lot of people saying he played poor. I don't see it. I was watching him the whole game, and he was just great. This this Conte-esque style of football that we're playing, I'm watching more and more players off the ball, and, you know, it really takes the heat off our ball carriers. So, no, Lukaku doesn't need to carry the ball all the time to have a good performance. Even El Toro, in my opinion, doesn't need to have the ball all the time or score a goal to have a good performance. Brozovic, Sensi, and Barella are picking up the ball, and then you can blink, and they've got eight or nine meters to move ahead forward because of Lukaku's awesome uh, ability to track these defenders with him. Mario, what did you think of the game, man, and who stood out for you? Uh, players that stood out were the players, uh, like like mentioned, Godin was very good in the back. Uh, having him just adds just so much leadership and um, some uh, charisma. It's, it's, it, it just makes a difference having him on the field, winning those tackles, those headers. Um, it's, it's almost like the... The defense is just rejuvenated after such a poor performance on uh, Tuesday. Um, who else was good? Uh, Lukaku was good. Um, there was the same people that said that he played bad, or the same people that love Icardi's performance on a freaking weekly basis. It it just doesn't make sense to me because Lukaku's moving off the ball, holding it up like a freaking proper forward, and then he's rewarded with a with a headed goal. So I mean. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hell people are complaining about. Him and uh, Toro Martinez are really starting to to, to click up there. Um, Martinez is just trying way too hard to score and do it all himself at times, and it's, 
it's frustrating, but I mean, I can't I can't fault him for it because he's just being a, a typical Argentinian striker. Yeah, uh, I think I would have to agree with most of what the boys have said. I'm going to start myself by talking about Diego Godin and you know the experience that he brings. And man, he can carry the ball exceptionally well for someone his age. He just looks so calm and collected, can distribute a pass, and more often than not, you'll see him run forward with the with the midfield as well when they're carrying the ball forward. He's the kind of transition defender that can kind of get a read of the game and where it's going in that particular play. So if he sees Sensi, Brozovic and Barella elevating forward and he can see that the attack's on, he'll push up a little bit as well and start barking out orders. He's just he's just almost like a dictator, like he's dictating everything from the back and it's absolutely awesome. The longer Diego Godin stays fit, the better because that back three today was not troubled one bit and I don't see them having many troubles unless it's against a very, very quality opposition. Um, I'll go over to Christian to talk a bit about that. Diego Godin, man. Christian, how many years do you think we can lock this guy down for at our club? Do you think Godin will play again uh, regularly over the next couple of seasons or do you think he's a one-season thing for us? No, I think we got him for a good three seasons. He'll, he'll be at a top, top level for the next two and a half. And then he'll slowly start declining toward the end of, end of the third season, honestly. I think it, it's such a great purchase. You see what he did to Liao? Purchase what I'm talking about. We got him for free. Yep. <laughs> it makes Absolutely. it even better. Yeah, and it's like a, it's a it's a proper free transfer, not one like Juve, you know, where they pay like twelve million in agent fees and they play Rabio's mom ten million as well. It's an actual proper free transfer if anyone wants to go and do a comparison. Go on. And also, uh, just how he bossed Liao, man. This kid Liao was being touted as one of the best talents coming up in the world. And, man, Godin just showed it in his experience, dude. This kid Liao kept trying to, to do all these little tricks on FIFA. Like, nah, bro, you're not doing that on Godin. you go going to try yeah, that somewhere else. He ended the guy's career. Try, try it on Benucci, you know, someone that's not that great of a defender and that's highly overrated. You know, try that on him or Delict, but you're not going to get that on no Godin, Skrini, or Deride. It's just the way it is. Yeah, look, we'll be agreed. on uh, ice skates. What did you think of De Vrij today? Uh, Mario, what did you think of De Vrij? He wasn't bad. It was much better than what we saw from uh, from last week um, or the last games. Uh, he kind of just fills in with with Skriniar and uh, Godin. Uh, as long as he's not like the main focal point of the defense, it seems like he's going to be all right. Because when it was just like him, Skriniar, and, and Ambrosio in the back, they just it, it just wasn't working out. Um, he they need that Godin to just like hold the f- back three together. When they're in the four, it's not so bad because you know they have the cover and they don't have to do it all themselves. But with that third back, it has to be Godin. Um, it can't be it can't be D'Ambrosio as, as well as he's covered, you know, in the ghetto makeshift center back position. It's just not the same. Um, but Devray. You know, he's just gotta he's just gotta be more dominant without Godin to be the leader, you know. Him and Skriniar just they just gotta do better without Godin. Yeah, I thought Skriniar was actually very good today after a couple of shaky performances. I thought he was back to that kind of like that beast that brought a very, very physical presence. Um when I, it was good to see him moving the ball up confidently as well. Under Spalletti, it was always refreshing to see Skriniar play as the ball-playing centre-back because he had the confidence to drive us a little bit forward and help out the midfield when the creativity and the push-forward wasn't coming from the double pivot because we lack such a midfield presence. But he's taken a little bit of a more reserved role because, you know, we do have that technicality and that 
the positioning of Barella and Sensi and Brozovic, who, let's face it, all three can drop back and collect the ball. All three can push into the middle and pass, and all three can run to the front to help out the attack. So I guess uh, Skriniar, it was good to see Skriniar get more into his own today, like we saw him in the last season. I thought he was very, very good. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the wing backs. I will echo what the boys said about D'Ambrosio. I actually thought he was a bit shaky in the first 30 minutes. I don't think him as the wide man in the 3-5-2 is as best of an option as Kandreva, only because Kandreva seems to be able to do more with his crossing and cutting in on the inside. But Danilo, I thought, was a lot better in the second half when we pushed up a little bit more and took the game a little bit more to Milan. He's still got a very good um, a very good presence on that right-hand side, and he gets into the box to help out a lot. Very unfortunate to have hit the post in the first half. I was a little bit critical when I saw it live, but I've watched the replay back, and the ball does come at him pretty quick. Uh, I know what the boys already thought about D'Ambrosio. They've already said it, but let's switch over to the left wing-back position, Asamoah. Uh, Christian. All you, bro. Asamoah today. How'd you find him? Oh, he was he was very good today. You know, he just mm. did his job. He made some good cut-ins. He played very well with the midfield. He, he covered well when you saw people push up. Uh, he was just good. He had some good crosses. Uh, one thing about that Danilo assessment that you made, though, uh, the thing I would prefer about him over Candreva is he, ta- he takes less of a risk on shots. You know, Candreva mm. would just randomly shoot I like to have a player that's going to sit there and pass the ball up and work their way down the middle. Just kind of how Asamoah was doing today. You didn't see Asamoah do no crazy shots from out of 25, 30 yards out. No, he sat there, he picked his passes, he made his moves, he did quick one-twos. It's what you need him to do. Yeah, I think, man, tell me if you agree. That's been Asamoah's biggest focal point to me under Conte this season. His little one-two touches and ability to link up with the left center mid or whoever out of Brozovic or Sensi because it's very, very, very rarely is Barella on the left-hand side. Barella's usually always on the right-hand side. I think Asamoah's hold-up play on that left-hand side and his communication and touching with Brozovic and Sensi has been nothing short of a revelation so far this season, Rivas. What do you reckon? Well, no, I agree. It's good to see a player that's passing a lot. You know, uh, that's that's one thing that we need is our wingbacks to play with the midfield. And that's the one thing that irks me about Candreva is, even though Candreva has nice crosses, I, just watching him sometimes, he doesn't work as smoothly with the midfield like Asamoah and D'Ambrosio were doing today. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say D'Ambrosio was hurt for the first 20 minutes. I think the game was kind of settling itself down and everybody was getting their positions down. But I like the fact that these guys are working down the middle. They're working with the midfield. As we saw today, the midfield completely bossed the game. You know, that that's the type of performance we need. We need the midfield to step up and handle itself, you know. And it's one thing that's lacked the last few seasons is having the proper midfielders and proper players to do it. And we did it today, so there's nothing that we can really complain about. Yeah. Mario, what about uh, Asamoah for you, man? Were you impressed with him today? And how have you found him this season? He's been he was good today. He's been really good so far. Uh, he's really finding uh, finding himself under this Conte system. And I'm looking at like the heat maps that they have after the game, and it's just crazy how high up the field that he receives the ball and just like stays in that area. He's literally just like right outside of the 18, and you know he's always receiving the ball, playing it, looking for those one twos, and then just putting in those crosses. But they're not necessarily deeper; they're earlier if they are coming. And uh, I think that's where 
we've been most dangerous with them because if he can put those those earlier crosses in, Lukaku's going to have a better angle to to receive the header at a, at a diagonal rate um, on the crosses. But um, he's also been cutting right back into the middle, finding Brozovic, finding Sensi. He's linking up with them and, and just um, just been pressing high on, on the defensively because him and, and D'Ambrosio were super high in the first half, especially. Um, just pressing the shit, making um, Rodriguez and uh, and Conti just make the mistakes that almost led to Lautaro's first goal, like two minutes, three minutes into the game, whatever it was. Um, they just pressed the shit out of them, forced the mistakes, and Milan could not make it out of their back. They were going left back, center back, right back, center back, out of bounds, or to, to Sensi or to Brozovic. It was just constantly just, just nonstop pressure for... For like a good 30 minutes, we let off. They started to come back in, and then we just gave it right back to them. Yeah, I would agree as well. Let's move on to the midfield, which, as Rivas already said, was the best point of the game. We absolutely bossed that midfield. Now, Conte deserves a lot of credit for this because Stefano Sensi has been in the spotlight for the last month. Everybody in Italy knows that we got an absolute bargain of a deal, and as every minute has played on, Stefano Sensi has looked like our our Chavi or our Pidlo. So today I was not surprised at all to see Gianpaolo put Kessier on him to try and man-mark him out of the game. To be fair, Kessier did have the physical presence over him. We saw Sensi, you know, obviously get a little bit touched off the ball. But if that's Sensi's game being bullied and touched off the ball, he was still awesome. He was still a six and a half or a seven for me. And I think that Conte got this spot on because because of so much the attention was on Sensi. Nicola Barella had his best performance in an Inter jersey today. He was absolutely phenomenal. The way he picked up the ball and made those amazing driving passes forward. He's also very, very good at switching his feet and switching the direction of the play. All he needs to do is to beat that first defender and he opens up all this space for himself. And he'll just switch the play across the field, get himself into a really productive position again. And then, oh, would you look at that? Perfect inch, perfect chip for Lukaku to grab that goal. Uh, Ragazzi, we'll stay on Mario because he's got the form. Barella, Sensi, Brozovic, what did you think of our midfield today, bro? They were all over the place. There was just nonstop just pressure and they were just keeping the ball, moving it however they pleased. Uh, Brozovic put in the performance that we needed for him to put in uh, against uh, Savia Praha, where he was just on the ball, picking all the all the spaces and getting the ball back. Uh, he wasn't able to do that, and when he was, he just wasn't good in that Champions League match. But today, he just did it at free will. He was finding passes everywhere. He was just keeping the ball, making it move, making freaking Milan just have a nightmare in the middle. Um, Barella intercepted everything. He was all over the place, winning balls, spraying them all over the place. Sensi, typical, you know. And then they were just finding Lautaro. They were finding Lukaku. Lukaku's giving right back to them. And then Brozovic just freaking decided, hey, I'm going to take some shots now. Scores a stupid goal, but whatever. It's a goal at the end of the day. And that's what we needed to just kickstart the performance. Yeah, as soon as that ball was deflected into the back of the net, Milan looked if about 10 gears even worse than they did for the rest of the match. And... You know, they were pretty bad to have started it to begin with. Christian Rivas, the midfield, bro. Who was the best out of the three for you? But what did you think of it all as a whole? Because I know all three of them were good. Um, That's hard. <laughs> I'm going to go with Brozovic. Cool. Uh, he, was, he was the engine, bro. He was just picking some crazy off the ball passes. 
Yep. You know, he was he was making some crazy switches. He was doing some good long balls, some good diagonal balls. He was putting pace behind it. He, he played a crazy one to, I think it was Politano towards the end of the game. Yeah! The switch, <sighs> Oh, my God. Crazy. That shit was perfect. Yeah, it was. Dude, like, he was just the engine, bro. It, it was ridiculous. Like, I was watching him. I was like, yo, this guy's, like, the real engine. Like, this guy's the engine in the Ferrari right now. Like, just watching him work. Like, don't get me wrong. Barrella and Sensi were amazing. They were great. But I just feel that Brozovic with his passes, his movements, and his ability to break up balls before they got into our final third, fast. Um, outside of that, dude, I, I really don't know who else we could argue for between the, the midfield. I mean, everybody was just so dope. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to some of the rest, I'm going to break up the podcast with a few comments in from fans that came in, like just towards the end and towards the start. Uh, one said, so glad we didn't sell Politano to Fiorentina. He's our best substitute we've ever had. I might come back to that one. Um, sensory needing for this one. Godin should definitely get a rim job after tonight's performance. He definitely deserved it. How old is this guy? Question mark. I think we've covered that already. And last one. So happy for Romelu Lukaku. Got his goal and he needed it. It was a textbook Rom goal. I'll just back that one up. That is a textbook Romelu Lukaku goal. Him holding the ball up and then getting into the right decision and knowing where the goal is off that head or off that flick, that's what Romelu Lukaku does best. And that was absolutely inch perfect from Red Rom. I'll go straight back to, uh, what's it called, Politano. I'm very, very happy that we didn't sell him. And I actually agree. Politano as a substitute, boys. Honestly, that burst of energy you get when he comes on, he runs at defenders and just he beats them with ease. It's like he's in the training ground. What did you reckon of Politano coming on again today, Mario? And would you say this guy is easily one of the better substitutions you've seen as an Inter fan? Like I, like I said in my ratings today, he just comes on and he changes the pace as soon as he comes on. He just beats players with such ease and it's just so smooth when he cuts onto his left foot. It's just like, I don't even know. It's just like running my, hair, my hand through the sand or something like that, you know, and you get some rocks or something, but that's a whole yeah. different story. That that rocket though, the one that hit the crossbar, I thought I was. Yo, going that was money. Yo. That's like the second one he's done in like two games. He almost yeah. had one last week or like midweek, whatever the hell it was. But he you know, that's like, it's it's become go like on, a go. typical like Politano fashion where he he just gets a, a a layoff from Lukaku or Lautaro, whoever the the player may be, cuts in and then he just rifles one across the whole box and you know. I, I don't even think Donnarumma moved. He just looked at it. He pulled the Handanovic on it. Mm, I, I reckon having Politano coming off the bench with that energy, it's like I've never been so excited to see someone come off the bench for us since Julio Cruz. Um, I know Rivas yeah, uh, and one I... One more thing, because we, we always yeah. wondered, like, where is this guy going to play? Where is he going to fit in Conte's system? And we found him as, a, as, like, the perfect change of pace, forward, outside, mid, attacking mid, whatever you want to call him, but he's found it. Hey, Anthony, didn't somebody say that in an earlier podcast? Uh, maybe someone said it. I can't remember, though. Who was it? <laughs> I, I, I'm 99% sure it was me. As I think it was me. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Get out of here. It's always you said, me. You said Sensi sucked. I never said Sensi sucked. No one said Sensi sucked, bro. We just know that you, you advocated it the most. So big, big ups to Ooh, you. That he's been the steel, steel of the market. I need to talk one more time about Lukaku. If it's, uh, if it's true... This little media thing that broke about three days ago of Lukaku and uh, Brozovic having a fight in the locker room. I believe they've just released the transcript. 
And I think they were actually having an argument over who was going to score the first goal. They both knew that they were both going to get on the score sheet today. But now we can finally reveal that the bust up in the dressing room was actually an argument as to who was going to score first against Milan. But moving on, like more seriously, it's, it's a little bit childish to see the media still trying to feed these dressing room dramas into our club. Antonio Conte, about a fortnight ago, when we defeated Udinese, um, said to one of the people interviewing him live, no, no, I know exactly what you're doing here. You're trying to build us up so that at the first sign of failure or the first sign of weakness, you can crush us down. Uh, Rivas, your reaction to basically Conte saying that and the media breaking that image of Brozovic and, sorry, not, and that story of Brozovic and Lukaku during the week and seeing them happy and hugging today? Well, that's one thing I got while I was uh, talking to one of my friends out there. He told me, he was like, yo, it's nothing serious. He's like, typical media. Don't believe it. It's horse shit. And I said, yeah, you're probably right, right, you know? Also, one thing uh, about Conte, dude, I love how he's just trying to keep everybody's head focused. You know, like, yo, this is our objective. This is our goal. Let's just keep our heads down and work. Wasn't it the uh, Milan coach that said, we put our eyes up and we keep looking while Conte's players look down? Yep. Well, Looks That's like uh, Conte had the last laugh. Yeah, pretty much. He, um, I think it was the the reporter asked Gianpaolo, he goes, Antonio Conte has got his team uh, training really hard and working on fitness and focus. And then Gianpaolo said, he goes, I keep my eyes up and we focus on football and that's it, playing beautiful football. Well, I didn't see any beautiful football from Milan today. I haven't seen any beautiful football from them all season. In fact, their, their shallow victories over two new sides, I think, are going to they're going to do more harm than good. And we'll talk a little bit about Milan now. I don't like to focus on opposition too much. But for me, that's one of the poorest Milan sides I've ever seen. Try and take it to us at the San Siro. Milan were the home team today. So their fans had a nice little TIFO going. I always respect the, the rival fans' TIFO and the effort that they go to, even if they are different supporters. But if you're a Milan fan at the moment, I'll, I'll, my confidence would be down. I'd even be questioning whether Gianpaolo can get the most out of the players that he has. I think that these are players that aren't really technically suited to his system and you're seeing so many struggles. Like There's just so many times you can give the ball to Suzo and hope that he can cut in and create an extra 15 and 20 yards himself because Suzo was made to drop back and collect the ball quite deep today and I thought that really worked to our advantage. Suzo, I don't rate him that highly as a player, but if you do get him the ball in that iron Robin part of the pitch, he can do something he can be a threat but the fact that he had to drop back and play more of a role where he was kind of picking it up in midfield today he was not threatening at all uh mario if you were to take a look at this milan side at the moment are there any players in there that make either the inter starting 11 or even make the inter bench that's something i wrote down that i wanted to ask you uh yeah there's actually a couple that i look at because i don't i don't hate this milan team as much as as much as you might um because I feel like they do have some talent, and it's just going to take some time to get it out of them. Like, you have Suso, who's who's so smooth on the ball. He just Sometimes he takes that extra touch. Sometimes he makes that wrong decision. But I feel like he's one of their strongest players, and he can dictate the play if they put it on him. But they just seem to, like, not for some reason. And, you know, it just it comes down to the coaching of them, and it's just so poor. Chalanoglu, he's another one. Not his best game, but... I feel like he could be a good bench player. Throw him in our midfield, he'll make some stuff. He's got the long-range uh, shots. He He's really technical, but I guess maybe not as tactical as as he might need to be, it seems. But like him, 
Christian hates on Leao, I thought, you know, he's going against Godin, one of the best defenders in the world. Uh, I don't really think this is a good sample size, but you can see he's trying and he's finding the the right movements and spaces. He against any average defender, like I said earlier, if you go against freaking Delict, you're gonna have him on on skates, you know, falling on his face every four seconds. Um, if you put him against Milan, I think he would be doing much better. Um, and then finally, uh, uh, Lucas Paqueta. I, I, I really like watching him play. <laughs> he came on, he played a crazy ball from like midfield into the box to, to Piatek's foot. And if he took that down, it's a goal. And it's a, I think it's a one, one game at that point. Um, maybe two, one, but whatever. The guy came on and he's like, he's like the Politano from Milan. It seems he just, he, he can do so much, but they, they just, don't want to put him in whatever reason he doesn't get the stupid tactics that John Paolo's teaching I don't know what the, what a stupid excuse he gave but like those are the only people maybe maybe even uh Teo Hernandez he came on you know he went right at uh D'Ambrosio and Godin he hit the post he you know Rodriguez had a nightmare so I guess maybe my uh my freaking my idea of Hernandez is better because of that <laughs> as a comparison yeah. I'd agree with what you say. I don't, I don't necessarily hate this Milan team. What what I have had an issue with in the past is just a lot of their fans just trying to trap their superiority. But at the end of the day, I just think the golfing quality was there. But I'd agree with Mario that like, Gianpaolo didn't really have his reasons for putting Paqueta on the bench. I think he got a few things wrong today. Suzo as the attacking midfielder behind Piontek and Leal, I thought that was incorrect. I thought starting... Leal is as his debut because this is his first start. I'm 99% sure today was his first start for Milan in a derby. I don't know how many experienced coaches actually would do that and throw a player like that into their debut as, as their first game. I definitely would have done wouldn't have done that. Uh, so moving over to Rivas, any of those Milan players in that team, the likes of Kessier, Musaccio, Rodriguez, Romagnoli, Donnarumma, Piontek, any of these players, Rivas, do any of yours make the inter starting eleven or even the bench? Yeah, there's there's two of them I take on my bench. Uh, Romagnoli, for sure. I feel he's really underappreciated. He's not as bad as people make him say. He's just like Ranocchia. He's had a lot of shit partners, bro. You know what yeah. I mean? He's not a bad player. Uh, again, Suso, I'm not going to lie. I, I feel like he's underrated. He's not a bad player either. He's killed us a couple derbies, you know? He's, he's a pretty decent player. I would definitely take those two guys on my team. Suso was receiving uh, the ball so deep in the midfield. It, it just it was. was ridiculous. He was. It was ridiculous, dude. You, you remember last year where he caught that one on the wing? He couldn't yeah. yeah. hit a rocket? Yeah. You know, Suso, oh. Suso and Romagnoli aren't bad players, bro. I even go as far as say I'd even take Piatek. I'm not going to lie. I had, I, last year, I admired Piatek. He's not a bad player. This year, For he's sure. not showing any of that. But, I mean, it's still early in the season. It's a new coach, new tactics. Me, personally, I said at the start, I told my cousin Jesse, the biggest mistake Milan did was firing Gattuso for Gianpaolo. Gattuso actually had this Milan team finishing, finished tied for fourth. You know what I mean? They, they were tied for fourth. Bro. You, you got to give them credit for it. It wasn't they, – they didn't make the champions, but they were right there all the way to the last minute. And off a crazy-ass goal from Nangolan, we go through and they stay out, you know? 
not only that, man, you've got to remember there were parts of last season where we broke out into seven, nine, ten-point leads. And that's it's, everybody knows it's very hard to chase the pack at the end of the day. So the fact that Gattuso was able to get those boys back up to that position by the end, it definitely would have gotten my... He would have had my vote of confidence from the board. But, you know, Milan, I think, at the moment are at that point in their in their rebuilding phase that we were around about the time Mancini came in for the second time, or maybe towards the end of Mazzari, it's going to take them another three or four years, I think, to get back to the level that they want to even start to um, to perform at. Let's move on a little bit. We've got a couple more things to cover. I don't want to be too long today. Um, we will go to the next fixture against Lazio. Now, we play Lazio in a midweek fixture coming up. It is going to be a tough one. It's... But it's going to be a lot tougher for Lazio. And um, I'll tell you why. They just played against, I think it was Cluj. Can any of you guys just back that up for me before I go on? Is it, it Cluj? Cluj. Cluj? All right, cool, cool. So they lost 2-1 to Cluj uh, midweek in the Europa League, which was actually close to 48 hours after we played our game in the Champions League. you got to remember, Inter had the earliest possible kickoff in Europe. For me, it was a 2.55 a.m. wake-up on Wednesday morning. So we get we had the extra 48 hours rest there to prepare for our Serie A match. Cluj defeated Lazio 2-1. Uh, Lazio also coming, the back of a t- coming off the back of a 2-1 defeat to Spal last round in the league. And now they need to play in about 16 to 18 hours' time, I think, against Parma which will be another tough fixture before the four-day turnaround and facing us. Uh, boys, I'll start with you, Mario. What are your thoughts going into Lazio in three and a half, four days' time? Do you think that we are going to have enough momentum, enough quality, and basically just enough energy to do them at the Miazza? I think Lazio's going to come out tired. And uh, why are they finished against Cruz? Did they lose that game? They they lost their game two one to Cluj. They were away from home, but um they concede they scored first though. It was um oh, I forget. I think it was Krasanga who scored first, and then they conceded a penalty just before half time, and Cluj scored again with about fifteen to go. Well, that stinks. Well, <laughs> well they're playing Parma this weekend. They got the uh, the early no not the early. They got they got a night game tomorrow. Yep. Uh, so they'll I think they'll be tired. Um, I think well. I, I think as long as we keep putting our form in and continuing our runs, or continuing our form and putting in the whatever, the work, um, Lazio should be a piece of cake. I don't really think they're that good of a team this year. There's, they're 1-1-1, one, one one, a win, a draw, a loss. So I don't really think that you know anything's really going their way yet. Uh, I, think it's, I think it should be not hard of of the game, but I think uh, I think we'll give it to them. You know, we'll keep we'll keep it going. We're gonna we're gonna put in a, another performance like we put in against Milan. We're gonna pressure the shit out of them, and I don't think they'll know what to do. Yeah, uh, Rivas, your thoughts and predictions going into the Lazio match. <coughs> so I just read a quote from the Ambrosio that said we don't accept draws anymore. So I'm gonna say we're gonna take a dub off of what the Ambrosio said. We're gonna win. I'm saying probably 2-0, 1-0. Yep, sounds good to me. I'm going to actually echo that one. I think we're going to go in pretty comfortably. I remember when we beat them 3-0 in Rome last season. That was actually probably one of my favorite performances. But I think that despite going there with more energy, it'll still be a pretty tough opening 30 minutes. But we'll be able to open that game up pretty well. So I'm going to go with 2-0. 
goal from Lukaku or Martinez and from midfield. Hopefully all is well. One more thing to talk about because I haven't spoken about it on the podcast yet. We did not get off to a winning start in our Champions League campaign. We drew one all with Slavia Praha. I'm going to start with Christian Rivas because we, he seems to be really a little bit... Do we really got to talk about this? Yeah, we do. We do, bro, because <laughs> I haven't covered it. And you're here, so we might as well. So Christian, basically, uh, every time he goes to watch Interplay, a Champions League game, I'd suggest you all go to your local betting agencies and chuck money on a one-all draw. You want to tell us why, Christian? Because <laughs> every time I fucking go, it's always a one-all draw. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only in the Champions League when we play in the Against league, the shitty it, it, teams, too. My ratio is always a win. Yeah, yeah. So, well, what? Um, first of all, Christian, tell us a little bit about, not necessarily the game, if that's given you some bad post- post-traumatic stress disorder, but what about the atmosphere? How did it feel going to the Miazza? Just describe it a bit for our, listen to, our listeners, especially for most of them who haven't been. Well, it was my eighth time going, and I always have a good time. You know, honestly, my favorite thing about the game is always showing up about two, three hours early. One, this time I showed up only an hour early. It was because I left. I took a 25-minute nap, dude. Honestly, usually when I do these trips the first day, and Mario will tell you, the first day you get there and you're coming from the United States, you stay awake because you land early in the morning, but you you leave in the mid-afternoon. U.S. time. So you'll. I left at 5 p.m. I didn't get into Milan till around 11 because I missed my connecting flight. And I went 33, 34 hours without sleep. So usually I try to show up to the stadium two and a half hours, two hours before kickoff because the atmosphere around the stadium is pretty dope. There's music going on. There's vendors selling scarves and stuff. And then you got the food trucks where they're selling salami paninis, prosciutto. They're selling all these great foods. And you're just soaking it up. You know, it, it's pretty dope to see the Miata, a field where legends and gods of football have walked and played in. You know, you have your Ronaldos, you have Roberto Carlos, Zanetti, Baggio, Bam Bam Zamorano, even Ronaldinho from Milan, and a bunch of other greats like Pirlo played in that stadium. So the atmosphere, once you get there, is kind of like, I guess, for a baseball fan, it's like going to Wrigley or Camden Yards, you know a legendary stadium that you know is rich of history. Yeah, I'm uh, so good. The atmosphere in the stadium was just dope. You know, from the second, as soon as the Champions League song went off, you heard both sides of the fans just automatic started chanting and singing, and they were ready. They were pumped, and they were ready to go. Watching the game itself, it was kind of annoying. You know, I guess it was Gagliardini just kind of irritated me in the midfield. Uh, Candreva was irritating me before he got subbed. Then when Lazzaro came in, he definitely irritated me. <laughs> As you Who can tell, I was kind of irritated. Go on. Ah, no, I'm saying I was kind of irritated most of yeah. the time when, when they were playing. You know, uh, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it's just frustrating it. sometimes. It was like last year when I went to the PSV game. I got annoyed out of the tactics Valetti was playing. Me personally, I wouldn't have finished in a 3-5-2. I would have gone with a 3-4-3. I would have subbed in Poyetano for Latauro. I would have took Gagliardini out, and I would have put in Alexis because at that point we were down 1-0 and we needed a win. You know, That's just me personally. That was my personal tactical view of the match. But a one-all draw, annoying, but seeing how the game unfolded, I guess you're content with it, seeing that Barca and Dortmund drew as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I guess after we've seen the Derby performance again, it'll just it'll reinvigorate some of that confidence that we left on the pitch at the Miazza against Slavia. Uh, staying on Slavia, Mario, what were your thoughts on the game, man? And how do you think we're going to move forward in the Champions League? I think this was like the one time that Conte will be unprepared this season. He just didn't know what he was getting into. Uh, Slavia was pressing us so high and he just, we weren't prepared for it. And we had our chances. Yes, we should have scored two goals right off the bat um, uh, with D'Ambrosio and De Vrij headers in front of goal. I love them, but that's just, it, you got to put at least one of those away because those are just wide open chances that you need to miss. I thought Icardi was on the field for a second. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, but yeah. I think it'd be better going forward. Like, I don't think he really meant to start Gagliardini as, uh, you know, like, hey, you know, you know, it's fine. Just go out there. He didn't expect him to be this bad because he was atrocious. He was everything yeah. that was that we had like under Spalletti, and uh, it's it, it just it's just a trash performance that could probably never see him time on the field again. Um, but going forward, I feel like. Conte's going to clean it up and be like, all right, we got to put out our best 11 forward because this guy's a fucking idiot. Um, Kandreva, you know, good, glad that he came on today and just made a better performance. He got one chance, hit the post, unlucky. But um, Slavia, I think, was a fluke. You know, I want to say we're going to go there and it's going to be even harder to play away. But I feel like uh, Conte will be more prepared and he's going to sit back, probably take some pressure from him and then counter the share of them and kill him. Yeah, absolutely. And just piggybacking off that last comment on Slavia and the Champions League, our next game is on the 2nd of October against the Barcelona side who's just lost 2-0 to Granada this morning. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say we're, we, we're going to beat Barcelona. I'm not even going to sit here and say we're going to take a point from the new camp. I'm just going to say what I've been saying in the last video and the last podcast. The Barcelona that we grew up watching 20 years ago, the Barcelona that peaked a decade ago under Guardiola with Ronaldinho, Messi in his prime, Xavi Busquets, Iniesta, Villa, Eto, whoever you want to call it. And the Barcelona that won the treble again five years ago. These are three teams with completely different identities to the current Barcelona side. They are down. They are scared. They are limping on one leg. And like, right. at the end of the day, when let, you put let, them up, let me just one sec. One sec. You put them up against other teams in the world, they're still one of the best but we will never have a better chance at rolling over Barcelona than we do right now. Go All back. right, let's get something straight. Barca, before Dino and Messi got there, were not that great of a club. They the were the York. team that used to get their asses whooped in the Champions League by the Italian team. Let's all get that right out there, all right? The only time they won the Champions League before they showed up was with Cruyff in 91. All right, let's get that out there first and foremost. Like I've told all my Barca friends, the second Messi leaves that club is the <laughs> second that club goes back to being a basic-ass team that's going to get their asses whooped in Europe every single year. Second they're to Real Madrid. Past, they're not going to make it past the, the quarterfinals. They'll even be lucky to get there. This yeah. board that Barca has right now is just trying to find a player to replace Messi. They're just looking for a star name. If they were smart, they would be rebuilding that team from the back with that abysmal and trash-ass defense. Everybody sits there and says that Barca's a good team. It's fucking tripping. You need to sit there and really analyze that team. 
them trying to buy Neymar was them trying to find a fix for one messy league because that was the stupidest thing in the world. They're willing to sell away their midfield and gut it completely. Right now, their midfield isn't even that good. I don't, yeah, I don't get not. why everybody fears them still. It's, it's average. fucking shocking and appalling that Inter fans are still fearing this Barcelona. Yeah, they got Messi. Put two players on them, maybe three. See what the rest of the team can do. Well, that's what I mean, man. We've got to take it to them, bro. That's what I mean. They're weak. They're rolled over. We're never going to be able to identify so many weaknesses in a Barcelona starting eleven. They just got rolled over by Granada, and Granada made it look easy. Um, they, they, look, they don't look good at the moment. We look like a team that will have a much more motivated pre-match dressing room than Barcelona will. Mario, what do you, what do you reckon? Well, I mean, to be to put it in layman's term, Messi is the goalkeeper, Messi is the defender, Messi is the midfield, Messi is the uh, the attack. Without and Messi, the- this team is just a bunch of... Yeah, Messi is the coach also because he picks the players and he, he probably trains the players too. He, the coach sits on the bench, writes a note down, says, what will Messi tell us at midfield? Uh, halftime, I'm sorry. What will Messi tell us after the game? How will Messi score his goals? That's all the freaking Barcelona is. That's what Argentina is. It's the same bullshit. You know, they've... They have no midfield. They have no Xavi Iniesta. It's it's uh, Rakitic at the peak of his career, maybe, and he's still not even like a shuff. He can't compare to the other the Iniesta and Xavi. They have Busquets, who's a freaking he's a glorified center back playing higher up. And I don't even I couldn't even tell you who the third or uh, midfielder is in that stupid team now because they're so irrelevant. So you know. It, they're just making poor decisions. They're going to be backwards. They're going to be, like Christian said, they're going to be as average as, as they can before, as they can be. Um, Real Madrid's, you know, in a funk right now, so they'll be able to catch up a little bit, as sad as it is. Yeah, I would have to agree. All right, boys, I want to thank you so much for joining me straight after the derby today. It's been a really, really good start to my day here in Sydney. Uh, Christian, the Rilas Rivas, thanks for coming on. Any parting words of wisdom, bro? Yeah, Milano, say I'm annoyed. That's it, man. That's it. Shout yeah, out, lad. <laughs> uh, Mario, thanks for coming on again, bro. Always good to have you. Of course. It's a pleasure to talk shit with you guys. Hey, Absolutely. Mario. Mario. Yo. Yo. Are you going to kiss Anthony today? Uh, you were supposed to kiss me. No, it's Anthony's time. No, 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 no. I said you have to kiss me. <laughs> wait, 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 are you saying I got two laps, so, you know, you can each have a seat. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> oh, man, funny dudes. All right, man, from all of us here at Inter Worldwide, go and enjoy your day. Don't hurl unnecessary abuse at family and friends because today is a happy day to be an Interesta. From all of us here at Inter Worldwide, Forza Inter, ciao ragazzi. I'm throwing abuse at my cousin. He's a Milan fan.